So I know you, in your book, you talk about Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28 is almost, in your opinion, like a, a different narrative apart from the the Adam and Eve narrative. Is that a good way to put it? Yeah, so that story is even closer. I, I would say the template there is the strongest comparison for um, for Genesis 3. And I think they, they're either working off of the same template and, and going in two different directions. They, they talk about uh, the cherub. They talk about, uh, they mention Eden. The word Eden is used in the garden of God in chapter 28, verse 13. So they're referring to, in effect, the same, we might say what most Bible readers would just assume is the same story. I think they're referring to a tradition that they both know, and they're playing off of it differently. And I'll, let me explain why I think that. When, Gen when, when Ezekiel 28 starts off, it talks about uh, how, so it, 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 it's, it's addressing, it's addressing it, the story, or the story, the, the chapter 28 begins by saying, that this is about the Prince of Tyre. Okay. Our story is not about the Prince of Tyre. Okay. Let's just, then it says, um, uh, well, I mean, there's lots of things that it says. It starts talking about how haughty and, and proud the Prince of Tyre is, etc., and um, how you have grown haughty because of your wealth. So this is really talking about the historical circumstances of Tyre as an extremely wealthy seafaring power um, at the time of Ezekiel, not at the time of the creation. So they give you two different time frames. They're not so they're not doing exactly the same thing, are they? Even though they refer they both reference Eden, um, etc. Um, it's going to go on. Um, yeah, then it's going to say, by the hand of strangers, you will die. So that's like the first part of the oracle section running from 28, 1 to 10. And then it starts again. The word of the Lord came to me, O mortal, intone a lament over the king of Tyre and say to him, and this is really going to sound more like, a little bit more like the Genesis 3 story. You are the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and flawless and beauty. You were in, in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your adornment, and it lists all these stones, and we're supposed to think of the Garden of Eden, trees, stones, the cherub. He says, he actually says in verse 14, and the text is debated by scholars. The translation I have in front of me, which is the, um, the new uh, uh, JPS, Jewish Publication Society version, says, I created you as a cherub, as if you were a cherub. Uh, and I'm going to open up the um, the NRSV, the New Revised Standard Version, to Ezekiel 28, and tell you that our translation says, um, "Let's see, where was it? With an anointed cherub as guardian, I placed you." So there's a textual problem there, and in fact. There's a note there. I love the NRSV. Note B, meaning of Hebrew uncertain. <laughs> and so there's, there is a uh, question there. But 
Um, anyway, you were the other thing that verse 14 says, you are on the holy mountain of God. Now, Genesis 3 does not talk about a mountain, but the mountain motif is the traditional motif of God's home or abode. It's traditionally on the mountain of God. And commonly, for example, Jerusalem is called the mountain of God because that's the traditional way of talking about the divine home. Genesis 3 doesn't have anything about a mountain. So which one was it? If you're worried about harmonizing the two texts, you're going to drive yourself insane because the two passages have so many differences between them. I, I'm not going to worry about that too much. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked among the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Now, you can, again, Genesis 3 doesn't say anything about iniquity being found in Adam and Eve, but we assume that from the way we read the fall. Um, and then it talks about in the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. There's no, there's no trade going on in Genesis 3. Adam is not out there trading with Mediterranean uh, powers. And so I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God and the guardian, again, the mountain reference, and the guardian cherub drove you out. Actually, Genesis 3 says that God drove him out and the cherub is there to guard it. A little difference between the two. There's a lot of little differences like this. Um, the thing that does, and uh, let's see, it's got to be in here. Let's see. I cast you to the ground, which sounds like a little bit more like the fall. Uh, anyway, so basically the king of Tyre is, they take the template of the idea of the tradition of the garden of Eden and they apply it to the king of Tyre and they modify it for the king of Tyre, the idea of king of Tyre, famous for trade and so on. And they've got some other differences which are not particular to the king of Tyre, like talking about this being on the mountain, which is different from Genesis 3 because I think actually that this was a familiar tradition. It was a familiar template. The template was used in two different ways uh, or in a series of different ways in the two texts. And they're both teaching slightly different things from God's word to us. Hmm. So specifically, why in the, I'm, I'm having a hard time grasping, why would uh, the writer of Ezekiel be trying to describe the king of Tyre in Garden of Eden terms? Like he obviously didn't think the king of Tyre was like back in some Garden of Eden that I would- No, I don't think he really thought historically that the king of Tyre- Right. Right, so, you know, this idea that we have to read this thing historically like that is, you know, as both talking about the Garden of Eden historically. Clearly, Ezekiel 28 is not doing that. What they're doing is they're taking the, the, the sort of template of the story of, of the garden and giving it a strong, a, a strong, I would say, sin, pride interpretation to it and applying that, viewing the king of Tyre in those terms. Um, I actually, I mean, I, I know this will, this is a Go bit speculative, it. but I think, I actually think that the tradition 
of God's mountain mm. being up in Lebanon, which is where Tyre is, is actually was a known tradition both in Israel and in Phoenicia, which is mm. where Tyre is, um, because they even talk about the Bible mentions sometimes the Lebanon, which is where um, the sort of almost uh, mythic tradition of the mountain home of deity is, um, is known. Uh, it's certainly known in biblical tradition. Interestingly enough, it's also known, um, it seems to be known in um, perhaps in Ugaritic literature. It certainly is known in the story of Gilgamesh from Mesopotamia that when Gilgamesh and his buddy Enkidu go on their adventure to go slay the, uh, the, the, uh, the monster Huwawa, also called Humbaba, um, they have to go to the Lebanon. And, hmm. and it's because Huwawa guards the mountain of the gods, which is in the Lebanon, even in Mesopotamian tradition. So it's, it, it seems to be a pretty widespread tradition about the mountain of the deity being in the Lebanon. Now, there are other mountains where the deities are said to reside, so it's not mm. only there. But the Lebanon seems to, it's known in Ugaritic literature, it's known in Akkadian literature, it's known in Phoenician inscription, it's known in the Bible. It seems to have been a pretty widespread tradition. And what our author seems to be doing is picking up on that tradition and running with it. And it may be that ultimately that was the tradition that that tradition ultimately went back to the Lebanon, but that's kind of speculative and it's not necessarily, you, right. you don't need to know that in order to read the scriptural passages um, with, um, with profit.